Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land that freedom forgot, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. So before I introduce our guest, who did this? A few weeks ago, I talked about Sandy having trouble putting my socks on. Yeah. I got a random Amazon package with a <laughs> sock aid in it. Uh, it's this big plastic it, you're gonna funnel need it with two yeah. jump rope style grips yeah, on it perfect. that I can use to step into to put my socks on. And it came anonymous uh, via Amazon. So whoever did it, bastards. Masters, and uh, th- just three short days ago, I'm in St. Augustine, Florida, coming out of a Bucky's with a 120-ounce bil- Big Gulp and those all-sugar Bucky's nuggets, yeah. and this big dude is walking straight towards me, and uh, him and his lovely wife, and he comes up to me, and he says his name is Hiram. And he listens to the show every week, and he's actually from Vineland, New Jersey. He recognized me, and he got me. He shamed me because I had my 128-ounce uh, Big Gulp and my Bucky's <laughs> Nuggets. Uh, I'm supposed to be Mr. Healthy. So uh, this week's show, show 661, we're starting something new. We had Jay Factor on last week, and this is a call to arms uh, for our listeners out there. All the 2A heavy hitters out there, Tony Simon, um, um, uh, Teresa Einacker, Melissa Dini, et cetera, et cetera, Mark Cheeseman. I want all of you on the show. I'm forgetting a lot of people. Send an email to info at gunforhire.com, info at gunforhire.com, and I want to have you guys on the show. So the first uh, people we're having on this new heavy hitter series show are two guys that are new to this media game in the Second Amendment, but they're on the web, they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook. Obviously, they have um, an email account as well. And it's the news team from news2letterA.com. It's Grant and Sean. I got them on the show. They're going to be on for the whole hour. We're going to be talking about a lot of topics, and I want them to introduce themselves now uh, without further ado. Please, Grant and Sean. Who goes first? Grant, you go first. Yep. Grant, go for it. Hey, thanks for having us on, Anthony. Um, Really appreciate it. We've we've been longtime admirers of your show. Uh, We're also members at your range. And uh, I'll let Sean uh, lead because he's sort of this whole project is his brainchild. But, um, yeah, we're really happy you had us on. Thanks. I'm I'm glad. I want to continue to spread the word. So, Sean, tell me, what what made you decide to to do this, to create a 2A news site? Well, um, so after the, uh, I spent many years just kind of being your typical complacent New Jersey gun owner thinking nothing's ever going to change here. Um, and I would just go to the range and shoot my guns and, you know, that would be pretty much the end of it. I didn't realize that there was this, uh, a bunch of really good cases brewing in New Jersey. And then the Bruin ruling came about and that kind of woke me up. I'm like, okay, we finally have a fighting chance in the state. Um, what can I do of legal means to um, <clears throat> to kind of fight for our rights and, you know, um, wake other people up that were kind of like me, where, you know, just kind of head in the sand, not really sure what's going on. Um, and what I do for a living is actually build websites. I'm a technical architect. So I thought, okay, if I could find somebody that's like-minded 
Uh, and I've known Grant for, for years, but I hadn't seen him till, for years until the summer of Bruin. Uh, and we just got to talking and we spent some time down in, um, in Trenton watching our legislators just completely screw us. And uh, it was infuriating enough to where we're just both like, okay, let's, let's do this thing. Let's just so, see if we can start spreading the word. Real quick, when you go down to Trenton and watch how the sausage is made and you see how they treat us, how infuriating is that? It's the most horrendous thing you could imagine. Um, they could care less about logic, common sense, what your actual rights are, even if it's spelled out in plain text. They could care less. I mean, it's not, it's not the legislature that I learned about in my history class in, <laughs> in like high school where everybody's got these genuine intentions and they're all, you know, just doing what they feel is best for their people. No, they're towing the party line and doing what Murphy or some somebody else that's important in their party tells them to do, and they don't deviate an inch from it. Because you, bottom line, they're doing what's best for them. How do you like how they disregard us, like when you're up there talking and stuff? Like they, they start working on their paperwork and having sidebar conversations. The, the contempt is <laughs> is phenomenal, isn't it? Like they don't hide it, right? It's It's amazing, the contemptuous attitude of all of them, right? Well, a great example of that is is McKean, right? It, nothing could be uh, probably more illustrative than a guy who stands up and says, you know, what what they're actually thinking. We don't want certain people to have firearms, we, or we don't want certain people to have civil rights. And really, it's an anti-civil rights movement, and then yep. they're very clear about what they want to do. You know, uh, it's funny because you know how I always talk about how we eat our own. I got I got this guy. He has a website, uh, state of New Jersey thing. It's called NJ1ST, New Jersey First. Ryan McDonald, right? And he's supposedly a uh, conservative and a two-way guy in New Jersey. And about a year ago, he came out and he attacked me and he he's exposed me. Remember this guy, Sandy? He yeah. exposed me as a Dem donor, <laughs> yeah. which is interesting because all of my donations are not anonymous. It's not dark money. I don't give it right. to other people to donate. It's donated under my own name. I don't know how he exposed me. It's not a secret. So Petrolino wrote an article about that, basically, how we eat our own and the whole bit. So he started again. So he's continuing to tweet that he exposed me as a Dem donor, you know. And I'm like, so my response to him was, do whatever you think you have to do to help the cause. I'm done with you. No more responses. I have bigger shit to do. Happy New Year. Keep fighting in your own special way. What they see, this is one of the problems, gentlemen, that we have in our in our community. So my range is in Woodland Park. Every politician in Passaic County and Woodland Park are Democrats. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of them are moderate Democrats, and a lot of them come to bat for me through mm -hmm. tragedies, through expansions, yep. through everything, because all politics is local. So this guy that lives in this little nucleus of his mom's basement where he does his tweeting and stuff like that, he has no idea how real-world business works. He might have taken Business 101 in college or something, but he has no idea how business works. Uh, he exposed me as a dem donor. What a douche. I told him if he wants to talk more, he can call into the radio show. His response is, I will be calling in next week. We don't have a call-in option. He doesn't even listen to my show. Right. He's just he, he's going around trying to find uh, people that are. I'm willing to stick my neck out for the two-way cause, and we have another supposed conservative trying to destroy what I'm doing, and ex by exposing me as a as a as a dem donor. Can we get any dumber with the infighting, guys? I mean, seriously, what are your thoughts on something like this? 
the gun community is really fractured. And actually, I'll say the, the conservative community is really fractured. Look, look at any political um, issue on the left. They toe the line. It's almost like they get email yep. talking points because right. every single media outlet repeats the exact same thing verbatim. Yep. And in the, in the Second Amendment community in particular, it seems to me anyway, that we're fractured. And, you know, I'll use this analogy. You have your 1945 guys and you have your striker fired guys. And it's as if, you know, the other is anathema, uh, except we all forget we both both groups like firearms. We need mm -hmm. to rally behind the things we have in common rather than talking about the things that divide us. I think it goes back to the the basics of what philosophies people tend to march to and the democrats tend to be more socialistic they are a we group of people pack mentality yeah it's a pack mentality and i, I mean it dates back to even uh, when we're going to talk about the chevron difference back to woodrow wilson who again his whole goal was to uh, uh, uh ameliorate the Constitution by making administrators and uh, in charge of things and they would be completely uh, removed from any uh, uh, legislation you know to, to really uh, uh, take away the powers of the three um, branches of government and he, he was very successful the, the conservatives, by nature, are independent. They march to the individual. They um, are the. They believe in rugged individualism that built this country, um, and they are not a pack mentality group. Correct. Now, 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 real quick, think about this guy Ryan McDonald. So, what he's trying to do is he thinks by exposing me, he's going to destroy me or whatever. So, what will? Who's the plant? What would he have done for the two A cause if I don't donate tens of thousands of dollars to two A organizations every year? If I don't stick my neck out, if I don't have the podcast, if I don't have the gun range, what did he achieve? Who, who's who's the anti-gun person here? You, you, you know yeah. what I mean? If he left his basement and had to operate in a real world and see how it worked, he would understand it doesn't work that way. You know, but anyway, I don't want to give him any more uh, on that. I just wanted to come out and say anybody can go online and look and see all the donations I made to the Democrats in Passaic County and Woodland Park. It's not be, I haven't been exposed. It's not a secret. So a big F you to that douche flute. So now let's talk about guys. We have some good. We have some good cases here. Right. Uh, uh, well, first of all, real quick, I want to talk about the Tooth Dynasty. Let's get her out of the way first. So Governor Murphy is using his office to promote Tammy Murphy. He has her at everything his, you know, us taxpayers, he's using it to run his political campaign for his wife there and using obviously taxpayer money and the whole bit. And she's definitely the heir apparent. I already heard it from insiders in North and South Jersey. Um, so what do you guys think about this? It's pretty shitty that she is definitely going to replace Menendez. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts or decision-making process on this. Tell me how you guys feel about this. One of our favorite things to do is to call out, uh, you know, really get a little pugilistic and, and call out Murphy for things that he's doing that are really out of bounds. And we all know that the Constitution is uh, above his pay grade, right? Oh, yeah. um, it's unfortunate that the Republicans haven't fielded a meaningful candidate to step in and, and challenge this. Uh, but yeah, it's, 
the, the fact that they do it in your face with many of the things that they do, it's in your face. You know exactly what they're doing. It's so brazen. Um, it's frustrating. And I, I suppose that's, that's my reaction to that is it's just frustrating. They don't care. They, they just don't care. They just don't care. So she's going to be force-fed to us, and we have no choice but to just take it like everything else that we do, which is amazing for a guy, his family, his net worth is about $70 million. The government grift is so good that yeah. he wants to make his wife a U.S. senator. Absolutely. It's amazing. We all chose the wrong career paths. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do like their, uh, the new campaign slogan for uh, Tammy Murphy – not a pedophile. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> the bar oh set God. really low, isn't it? Oh my God! So, so we also well, have I another. Guess she can't be a librarian in the schools. No, no I guess no. not. No. You know, we, we, we have go. we have a couple of big cases here uh, that are just that just brewing. We just had a lower court uh, say that we could carry in post office now. It's not a sensitive place. So I, I know you guys. Did you guys tweet about that? Did you guys send any new stuff out about that that post office ruling? Yeah, we did. We we posted. Uh, I mean, we really just we didn't get into it and parse it because we know it'll be challenged. Of course. Um, uh, of course, it, it's going to be challenged, but it helps our cases. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and uh, and that's part of what we part of what we try to do, Anthony and Sandy, is demystify the the news out there. Right? We're not lawyers. We're not legal experts. And everything is in a constant state of flux, including uh, Chapter 131, A4769 here in New Jersey. You know, what does it mean to have a pay st a stay pending appeal on a preliminary injunction? Who, who knows what that means? Mm -hmm. So when these news items break, we try to not only cover it, but we've added a, a new feature on, the, on news2a.com that it's called in layman's terms and it's at the top of the article because who has time to read all this mm. and we in one or two sentences we try to encapsulate what the news means for your everyday person so while the post office uh ruling is, is good for the community at large and and obviously it'll be challenged um, you know what does it mean for the average person and so we try to address these things in, in sizable bites that people can quickly look at and uh, and take in and what's what's the website again? News2a.com. The number two. N-E-W-S, number two, letter A.com. News2a.com. If you click on that, then you can get their Twitter feed, you can get their Facebook page, and uh, you can get on their email list and everything. It's important. We need news uh, aggregators and compilers like this to put things in plain English because mm -hmm. Uh, knowledge is power, and the government hates that we have this knowledge base. That's why they work relentlessly and tirelessly with big tech to censor everything. Yeah, to shut us down. And it's, it's <clears throat> because it's they hate the that. Way. This yeah. is the modern day green dragon. Yeah, this is really us is. sitting yeah. around sharing the stories and share, sharing the knowledge that the government won't let us know about. Let's face it. Look how look how they're hiding uh, Joe Biden's mental uh, incapacitation, guys. I mean, it's, well, it's embarrassing at this point. I get so many tourists that come to my range from different countries. They all, you know, they see their news, BBC News or whatever. They're, they're, all, they're all amazed that we have a president <laughs> with advanced dementia and yeah. no one cares. So they're, on, that topic, on yes. that topic, there was a Rasmussen poll that came out this morning. And it said that the majority of Americans believe that um, uh, Barack Obama is behind uh, President Biden, or at least uh, influencing him, 
So it's it, the emperor's clothes. Everybody sees what's going on. And it's got to be the people who were behind Barack Obama, too. I mean, you're talking about a guy who came out of nowhere and had exactly mm. was structured exactly that you could not um, you couldn't criticize him because if you criticized anything that he did, you were a racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had no background whatsoever to speak of, to be criticized as far as his voting records, uh, what his beliefs were. Uh, you had He just appeared as if being down um, into the political scene, and it was perfect. So, you know, again, we, we go back to that same shadow government idea, right? To where the bureaucracy is running the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I saw it from the inside firsthand and was too stupid because I was too young and stupid and naive to really understand what the powers that be were telling me of how to work that system. And uh, really, it took COVID for me to really understand and to make everything click into place as to what was being told to me uh, some 20, 25 years ago. And, you know, it's really a powerful thing. Um, it doesn't matter who sits in that. And it shouldn't really matter, right? The president of the United States should not have the power that he or she is given. It was just a, his, his only purpose was to veto... Uh, laws that the Congress came up with that he felt were unconstitutional. Mm. That was it. So let, let's let's talk about, since we're talking about overreach, the administrative state and the alphabet agencies, we have this huge uh, Supreme Court case that was heard last week, and it's the Chevron deference case. And what basically has happened since 1984, how apropos, we had given uh, power to alphabet agencies, and they basically, they bastardize that power, and they make law. And the, one of the biggest offenders we all know is the ATF, for EPA, DEP, yep. OSHA, all, all of them Every out there. Of, yep. Every government agency, you know, agriculture or whatever. And I know you guys are, have been in tune with this as well, and it looks like we're going to be stripping the power because the power should go back to Congress because they are, in fact, the lawmakers, not the alphabet agencies. Um, you guys have been reporting a lot on this. So, Sean, why don't you share a little information with us on, uh, you know, your take on the Chevron, de- Chevron deference in the Supreme Court uh, case that was heard last week. This is important for all of us gun people, by the way. This is drop-dead important. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so in regards to Chevron deference, so I would almost say that that's probably a better question for Grant. Probably okay. the extent of my, my own personal knowledge on that one is that we want it to go away. Um, mm-hmm. But Grant is the brains behind those articles. So yeah, Grant, so Grant, tell us. Uh, look, I'm no legal expert, but what we do at News2A is we try to p- keep our thumb on public sentiment, right? And it seems to me that the left is terrified of Chevron deference going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here, you know, here's my understanding of it. Where did it come from? Um, It it came from a lawsuit originated by a family-owned company that was fishing for Atlantic herring, of all things. It sounds really boring, but it's anything but. Yeah. And at the core of the challenge is the deference that courts provide bureaucratic agencies in interpreting law. This has everything to do with the Second Amendment, because as you just mentioned, Anthony, the ATF 
has effectively created what has the power of law with its pistol brace ruling and its receiver ruling bump that stocks. has impacted it bump stocks that's Reset impacted triggers. tens of millions of law-abiding americans so if chevron deference falls this gives us an opening to challenge uh the atf on, on another footing it takes it takes a lot of their teeth away. It t it really does. It takes the claws and the teeth off of these government agencies. You know, back in '84 when this was passed, it had good intentions, but the administrative state and permanent Washington has grown so strong mm -hmm. and so inbred they cannot be trusted with this power anymore. They can't. The ATF just can't come out and say, "Well, we're going to ban bump stocks, and we're going to ban this, and we're going to ban others, and we're going to ban pistol braces." That doesn't work that way. If the ATF doesn't like the pistol brace, they have to tell someone in Congress and the bill has to be put forth and it has to be voted on and the president has to sign it. It has to go through both houses, right? That's not what's happening right now. The ATF is just issuing memos. Not effective next week, this is no longer legal. It doesn't work that way. So this is a huge case for us. And I love that it's originated... <clears throat> It's, it originated from uh, from New Jersey with these uh, commercial fishermen, <laughs> like and basi basically does. the commercial fishing fishing uh, government agency taxed them for this herring fishing that basically is twenty five percent, Sandy, mm -hmm. of their gross yep. income. Yep. Not net, but gross income. So if they sell a million dollars worth of herring to, 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 to fish that herring, they got to pay a quarter of a million dollar fee. And the fisheries, the, the Federal Fishery Agency, just came up with that number. Yep, arbitrarily. And, yeah, and you're basically going to put these herring fishermen out of business and everything's going to be fished outside in the international waters by Chinese and other international fishing companies, right? So we're just putting more Americans out of business. Boy, how weird how this all seems to work, right? And how but, weird is it that um, somebody's hand is in somebody's pocket and somebody's getting paid off and it doesn't, you never see it because it is part of a, a, a you know, of a bureaucracy. And the bureaucracy is really the one thing that's in charge. Correct. So you guys want to really stay tuned with News 2A because they're going to be giving updates on this. And uh, the Chevron deference is, is, is as an important 2A case as any other case that we're all following out there post-Bruin. Believe me, this is huge. This is huge across the board. It will affect all of us. Now, we had another phenomenally huge case in our circuit. The Third Circuit this week came out and said that 18 to 20 year olds can own handguns. Now, here's the other important thing. In the ruling, one of the judges listed that the Bruin decision made it clear that the date that we all follow is 1791. Now, we've talked about this before, and since you guys are putting stuff in plain English on your news aggregator site, please share with us the importance of 1791 and the importance of this Third Circuit case. Please. Yep, absolutely. So, 1791, so in the Bruin ruling, um, the Supreme Court said that any gun controls um, that are put in place must be rooted in the time of our founding, which was in 1791. And then, of course, those who are against guns, they're always looking for gun controls that take that took place during the time of Reconstruction or even later. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. According to uh, Mark Smith, 
of Four Boxes Diner, that period of time can only really be used as a confirmatory analytic, but it can't be used to support today's gun controls. Um, <clears throat> and so this is kind of really a, a huge deal um, because states like New Jersey and other states don't allow 18 to 20 year olds to purchase handguns or carry them um, until they turn 21 years of age. But there aren't there is no history or text or tradition supporting those laws. So looking back to 1791, once we can get these cases in front of the courts, um, or once they can be heard on the merits, excuse me, um, we should start to see some of that stuff uh, fall down. So New Jersey legislatures, they're against 18 to 20 year olds purchasing and carrying handguns, but they want 16-year-olds to vote, and you're allowed to transition yep. sexually 8 to 12 years old without notifying your parents. They're mature enough to decide they want to change their gender, but they're not mature enough to carry a gun. But in fact, at 18 years old, you're mature enough to go in the military and defend your country and carry a rifle. The duplicity and the hypocrisy is unbelievable. It, it, you it know, that's a funny point, because... Yeah, we, we started out being a news uh, reporting organization, and we tried to stick to that. But what we found, Anthony, is that there's a big crossover between uh, other topics, cultural and social topics, and the Second Amendment. And it's really hard to, to keep them apart. And, yes. I, and I think it's not even – it's not necessary to keep them apart. I think they're related. No, yes, and I, so I agree. Yeah. When you, we're you on can't Twitter, be a, a single-issue voter – and just say, this is the only thing that matters because all of this is intertwined. And if you look back to all of the things that are wrong with what, what that we believe are wrong with the country, they're all intertwined. It's just the Second Amendment just, it manifests in the Second Amendment as it manifests in the First Amendment. It's the same thing. There's control that's, that's being exercised against the populace to really obliterate the Constitution because they do not want us to. They want us to become a democracy of mob rule. Mm. They've done it with language. They've done it with little tiny nudges. We talked about Cloward and Piven 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely a playbook. If <clears throat> those of you who are listening are interested, really interested, Go back and read Clowen and Piven's work. Go back and read Cass Sunstein. And go to the beginning of it all, in my opinion, Woodrow Wilson's best buddy, um, uh, a guy by the name of Edward Mandel House, who wrote a book called Philip Drew Administrator. It is all about what's happening right now. To take the... Uh, it, was a, it was a fictional book about a benevolent dictator uh, who uh, would take over the country <clears throat> after a civil war and create these silos of power that our bureaucracy really is right now. And Wilson adopted most of what was in this fictional book during his administration, and we're living through it right now. Exactly. And I think the Second Amendment is symbolic to both the left and the right of, of something very important. 
It's the last bastion of freedom yep. that is still enshrined in law. Yep. And the left knows that they need to make it fall, and the right knows that it's the thing that's protecting us. And so that's why these these topics get linked together uh, so often. And so then we ask, you know, what can we do? Everybody's always saying, what can we do? And, and the apathy among conservatives is, is amazing. They act as if there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Well, when Sean and I created this, and it's Sean's brainchild, and I'm along for the ride, but um, when we created this, we immediately thought and taking giving credit to Anthony, um, you know, support those who support you. So on our homepage at news2a.com, you'll see, I don't know, six, eight different organizations that you can give money to. And, and we are not we don't get paid for this. We do this at significant cost out of our own pockets. But we're here to promote those organizations, people like you, other content creators. We're, we're not competing with these people. We, we see it as complimentary and we encourage people to get get involved. There's no shortage of places they can get involved. Correct. I, there is no competition. I always say I have no competition, but I'm willing to promote everybody out there because we need the hammers. We need the anvils. We need, you know, I'm Jay on the show last week and I made a statement that, you know, sometimes it's good to have opinions from non-lawyers. So Sandy and I come from this uh, where we're, we're counter thinkers. You know, my, my, my mantra is only dead fish go with the flow. Right. So when somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm like, F you, I double down and do it anyway. But <laughs> You know, it sometimes, you know, Sandy will tell you most medical marvels were done by someone thinking outside the box, right? Somebody Sandy? always outside the system, always outside right. the system. So we, we, we want to encourage people like Jay and guys like you to come up with an opinion and an angle because all of that content adds up where a lawyer might read something and go, hmm, I didn't think about that. It happens, right? Because the scholars are looking at the same cases over and over again, and they're con you know we read these court the, the legal briefings, right? It's always the same cases that they're talking about, right? Right. And they're yeah, blinded we, by their own system, and they're they're held to their they, they march to their own order, where you guys are from outside that. It it, it is it's really critical that 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 your view is heard because. Your view is that of the average person who looks at something differently. They look through these weird glasses of constraint and you don't see that. You don't interpret it that way. You're, you're, not, um, you're not marching to the same drum. Right. So two, th two things there. One, we really want to acknowledge the people in this community that have inspired us. So Anthony, you and Sandy. Um, Jay Factor, we listened to that show last week. That guy is a true historian in every sense of the word. You know, Mark Cheeseman has a case, uh, an important New Jersey case, that, yeah. and he created the Facebook syndicate, which has almost doubled in size. <laughs> Dan Schmutter and his tireless legal efforts, and, and he's given us some private consultation as well. He's really, he didn't have to do that, and we know his time is valuable. But um, we took some lumps. The, yeah, those guys have inspired us. And, and so part of our mission is, as you stated, we're, we're looking from the outside in is everything is in flux, right? There's a, these uh, laws, especially in New Jersey, which is where a lot of these anti-civil rights, anti-Second Amendment laws are originating and inspiring other states to do the same. Everything's in this state of flux. And so if you sit around at Gun for Hire, you go to a range or a dinner, Nobody knows what the state of the law is, right. and neither do law enforcement, nor do, does the average person. And so our mission was to sort of document everything. It, it, there's a, a central place people can go to see the history of how this came to be. 
And again, we're not lawyers and we're not legal experts, but they can also just see at a glance what the current state of the law is. And one of the most visited pages on our website is actually the, uh, the uh, concealed carry uh, location of where you can and can't, yeah, the FAQ of where you can and can't carry. Yep. Yep, because it's confusing by nature. But that's all going to fall soon. Obviously, our case is, is progressing along nicely. We're lucky that uh, we're lucky that we have so uh, many people in our corner and organizations in our corner. And, you know, I walk across all of them and I read sometimes I read the snide comments or whatever where somebody's digging an organization or something. And I. I just did take a deep breath and let it ride because it's got to be the big picture. And I do reach out sometimes personally to people and I'm like, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, why don't you back off a little bit? Like, you know, this is we can't let people see our infighting. You, you know what I mean? Like, we don't mm -hmm. want to do that because the left is watching as well. Of course they are. And they're like, look, we got them. You know, they're fighting like little bitches. We can't have that. Uh, I want to we're going to stop and take a break at this point. OK, but it's news. Number two a dot com news number two a dot com. We have Grant and Sean on the show. Uh, Sandy, I'm going to do some uh, housekeeping. Do you mind? No, let's do it. Good. Leave me alone. <laughs> if you live in New York, mytacdefense.com, mytacdefense.com. Use gun for hire, one word, for 15% off your monthly membership. Peter Tillam Esquire Extraordinaire is the Evan Happen in New York, and it is the only uh, legal defense fund that is legal in uh, New, New York, so please get with it. If you live in the 49 other states, U.S. Law Shield, uslawshield.com, use gun for hire, one word in the code. Don't forget John Petrolino, Decoding Firearms is available at Gun for Hire, Amazon, Kindle, and of course down at Aberdeen Guns in Monmouth County. John is starting a new uh, page where he's going to he's testing uh, products and stuff, and we're going to have him on the show. He's also one of the heavy hitters that's been around for a long time. My doctor, Dr. Joe Sampatero, Optimal Health Wellness NJ, OptimalHealthWellnessNJ.com. Be there or be square for a few hundred dollars a month concierge medicine of course i mentioned aberdeen guns in monmouth county i'm going to talk about that more in a minute the varsity firearms podcast john valenti check him out as well our ladies night was a huge huge success i ran into this gentleman says he listens to the show every week his name is chris morgan and he brought the lovely tina and barbara with him sandy how weird they're they're all three of them drove up from vineland exit three for <laughs> ladies night our sold out ladies night and that that guy hiram and his wife that i met at bucky's in st augustine was from vineland as well it's, it's pretty interesting so uh i want to thank all of you for for your support and coming out uh, for ladies night uh, the men's night the boys night out sold out by the way uh, which was phenomenal. The Glock Shooting Sports Foundation events have been postponed. The new dates are listed on the calendar. So that night that we had the heavy rain and the heavy winds, our power kept going out. Oh. Uh, so we shut down because we didn't want our air handler systems or anything to, to blow up. All right. Uh, Friends of the NRA, there's a dinner, believe it or not, February 24th in Salem County. Go to friendsofnra.org, friendsofnra.org. So you Vineland people and everybody all the way, way down in South Jersey, please check out the Friends of the NRA dinner. The Salem County Sportsman's Club is having a dinner. Uh, again, it's important. Support those who support you. Don't forget, October 7th is the North Jersey Friends of the NRA dinner. 
And uh, John Acapinti has got a lot going on. He sent me an email. Uh, donors, John Zeller, obviously from Aberdeen Guns and Ammo, donated. Kevin Porchter from Village Green Restaurant, donated. Uh, Ryan Dodd from 1075 Vehicles. Oh, these are all Gun for Hire alumni. Rich Carlson from the Groove Sharks is going to supply the entertainment. John Iacchetti from Iacchetti's Kitchen, Gift Cards, Sam Grammer from the Hat Mat, what custom hat mats will be there. Vinny Gallo uh, is a table sponsor. Uh, Nadim is a table sponsor. Tenafly Rifle and Pistol Club. Uh, Norm Rieger is a, is, a, is a sponsor. Bob Auth bought a table, Assemblyman Auth. I mean, uh, John, John Jr. Acapinti from Mindful Wealth Management bought a table. Uh, I mean, holy moly, he's doing so well, so many donations. Gun for Hire may have donated a $3,000 gift card that you can win and buy anything you want out of the Gun for Hire store. Um, so I think that was uh, pretty good as well. So he's looking for more volunteers, looking for more donations. Please just go to FOD1 at uh, a whatever it was. I can't remember his email. But anyway, I'll get it to you later, guys. Or just email info at Gun for Hire if you're interested. Uh, listen, we got uh, Matt started a uh, podcast in New Jersey Patriot News Second Amendment headline news. He's available on Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Look for Second Amendment headline news. All right. So another avenue. All right. Matthew Bar Barkley is uh, going to do firearms uh, and all two A news on this major uh, podcast platforms. Again, another one. Sandy, we got another guy down in uh, South Jersey that fought to get his uh, gun store open. Tactical Concepts, New Jersey, all the way down in Bayville. Mm -hmm. He had a home-based FFL for many, many years, over three years, and then he tried to open a business in a commercial area in Bayville, and he got so much crap by the locals and neighbors and everything. Wow. Uh, but you know what? He fought the law and he won. And he is now open when you're listening to this show. Tactical Concepts in New Jersey. Uh, please check them out. And uh, they're really, really got good guys. Him and his wife run, run the thing. Uh, Chris, his name is. Just, just really good guys. So please check out Tactical Concepts in Bayville. He got all his approvals, and he's up and running, and he's fully stocked. Another one is there's going to be this women's gun rights uh, uh, dinner. Excuse me, guys. I'm a little. Uh, it's on the mansion in Main Street, uh, April 20th. And if Teresa comes on the show, she can talk about this and plug this sh show some more. I'm not going to get into it any further because now she has to come on. She's also the lawyer for CNJFO. I've known her forever. Her and I have been on Fox News uh, together and everything back in the day. So that's pretty much my housekeeping. I want to talk about learning. Remember guys, a few weeks ago, uh, people questioned what happens if I have a medical emergency and I have a gun on me? Uh, so I have two perspectives here. This one's from a rich L. On May 22nd, 2023, I rode my motorcycle off the road and I was seriously injured. Six weeks in the hospital. I was carrying at the time. The ambulance crew was not very friendly. And that was probably my fault. I thought that if a gun was mentioned, the crew would desert me on the highway. So I waited until I was at the hospital and told the crew that I would see or talk to no one until I talked to a cop. When after they said I was crazy, they found the cop. When they heard me tell the cop that, that what I had, it shocked the crew 
and they wanted to abandon ship. The cop, whose name I was never uh, never got, was good. He even thanked me for telling me there was there was a gun, and he gently removed it. Uh, after three months later, I was still not able to drive. A friend took me to the Elmer PD to pick up my pistol. I bought a dozen donuts with me. That's an insult. <laughs> uh, Chief Woods was happy to see me, and after checking my ID, handled me my pistol. No problem. Rich L. That's a good success story, Rich. Now let's hear from an EMT extraordinaire, George O. If we, as, EMA, as EMS, encounter a law enforcement officer who was injured and needs to go to the hospital, most frequently either a fellow officer or the tour supervisor will take custody of the injured officer's firearm. If I, performing an EMS encounter on an injured or worse unconscious person who either self-identifies as being a law-abiding carrying citizen or we discover the firearm as we are assessing injur injuries, I am most likely going to request a police officer to respond to the scene to take custody of the firearm. My primary responsibility is to my crew and my patient, and I don't have the ability in my ambulance or paramedic vehicle to adequately secure a firearm or maintain a chain of custody of it, nor do my operations supervisors. That said, there has been a boatload of discussion regarding violence against EMS and whether or not EMT and paramedics should be permitted to carry while on duty, the debate of which would take up half of all of a podcast by itself. The two largest EMS providers I've worked for have no firearm policy, which extends to sworn officers who also work as EMTs or paramedics. But I can with 99% certainty tell you that those officers do carry their off-duty firearms while working as EMS policies be damned, George. Thank you for that, George. So, again, guys, your, your show, this is another good thing to discuss because people don't know what to do. What if I'm in an accident? What if I'm incapacitated? How, how is a gun is ha handled? So George is an EMT. They've had discussions, and they've handled police officers' guns. Right. But how many EMTs have handled legal civilian guns? So this is another thing that, you know, there's really no clear definition on it and how it should be handled. Am I right? Well, I think everything's kind of new right now. I mean, we've only had carry for a very short but period it, of time. But now it's our job to educate the masses. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. It's our job to educate the masses and let people know. Uh, what they can and cannot do, obviously. But, you know, the first gentleman, you, you, you definitely got to let them know that you got a gun. If you're a, a, awake and aware, mm -hmm. you got to let the, the, the first responders know you have a gun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that that's 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 just the right thing to do. Don't wait until you get to the hospital. See, they weren't too happy that he they didn't know he had a gun. Right. You know, uh, for their own safety. Right. What if somebody stole the gun from him? What if he slipped out of consciousness and somebody that wasn't the greatest guy in the world who's riding with the ambulance squad stole the gun? So I think it's better to identify. Grant, Sean, do you guys have any opinion on this? Again, it's just opinion. We're not lawyers. I, I think that's a really good case for something like U.S. Law Shield, right? Because, you know, you can kind of, now that we're aware that these situations are, are possible and people don't necessarily know what to do, um, you know, U.S. Law Shield, or even if you join ANJRPC, um, you have access to free counsel, right? And these are the yes. kinds of questions that you should familiarize yourself with ahead of time. So if you do find yourself in a situation like that, you know, um, you're not going to find yourself in a jam or, you know, upset the people that are trying to help you. So I think it's really good um, to, to look into, uh, uh, you know, services like that to where, because nobody... If you were to walk up to me, like, I don't even know the answers to some of these questions, too. 
if you know, I would call U.S. Law Shield. You know, um, yeah, we that's what we respond to about ninety percent of the people that send emails in and ask they want to ask me questions. You know, my mom passed away and I got this and I put this here. And can my uncle leave his gun at my? I'm like, you got to call U.S. Law Shield or call ANGRPC's hotline if you're a member because you know the legal line. I can't answer that question and I definitely don't want an email of me answering the question wrong because I spent enough time in courts in my life, so I don't I don't feel like doing that again. <laughs> Uh, a real quick one. Uh, you two guys are kind of young. Have either one of you ever had Stella Doro cookies? Uh, yes. My mother used to buy them all the time. <laughs> what about you, Grant? No, that's a negative for me. Oh, my God. So anyway, I talked about Stella Doro cookies. Uh, a woman stopped me the other day and said, my uh, talking about cookies being al dente was hysterical, and she almost peed herself. <laughs> but Jules sent an email in. I got about 30 emails, but Jules was the best. He goes, you were so right about Stella Doro. For four years, 1968 to 72, I was infused with the aroma of Stella Doro baking those wonderful cookies you spoke about. I was a student at Manhattan College, the alma mater of oh, wait, many wait. greats like Rudy Giuliani and his police commissioner, Ray Kelly. Stella Doro is located at 237th and Broadway. It's amazing how he n remembered the address, <laughs> right? Way well, lived um, right there. When the wind was just right, you could inhale deeply and gain three pounds. He goes, there are no better store-bought cookies except maybe Malamar's, Jules. Well, Malamar's are only available in the cold months because the chocolate will melt. But I'm sorry, but hands down. So, so Grant, you, you can't be on the show again until you've tried at least three different Stella Doro cookies. I mean, okay? I'm hungry just listening to yeah, the description. And, yes, I need a report on three different Stella Doro cookies. So I was just in Florida last week, and I may have bought two packages. Of Stella Doro cookies. I bought Roman egg biscuits and I bought Anazette sponge, Sandy. Oh, and nice. I can tell you they both still taste just as good with a cup of coffee. That's anyway. Challenge accepted. Uh, yes. So please, it's it's important. You have to get you have to get with the it's program. Important. It's it's very it's it's very <laughs> why it's not important. Of course it is. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Oh, Tim Gill sent me an email. Garrett Girls Night Out was a phenomenal. Uh, his uh, uh, nothing but uh, fun for my wife, daughter, and daughter-in-law. This was the best Christmas present for them this year. In the spirit of each one reach one, I have two more bitten by the gun bug. Once again, thank you for the event. Gun for Hire never disappoints. Vince Gill. Uh, let's, you guys, let's talk about each one reach one because I've seen you guys bring numerous people to the range. Let's talk about getting everybody oh, yes. out there and indoctrinating people and showing them that, that we're all not old hillbillies. Talk to me. I'm gentlemen. glad you asked. I'm glad <laughs> yes, you asked. Yes, please. So, so here's my view of, of how people get involved in the Second Amendment community. And I, I think there's basically four steps. Uh, the first one is curiosity that leads to gun ownership, which is great. Uh, so now you own this object. Uh, and, and I was a gun owner for two decades, right? Grew up in the Midwest, and so guns were just a tool that you had around. Then you start shooting. And for me, I shot thousands and thousands of rounds, and I saw no improvement. And so finally you discover training, and you go out and you get training, and you start to become better, and you sharpen your skills, you become a safer um, and more capable firearms owner. Mm -hmm. And then finally that leads to to outreach. And yeah, we, we've had countless family members and friends and colleagues who know that what we're doing reach out and say, hey, I have an interest. Um, I'd like to figure out, I'd like to understand firearms a little bit better. 
I'd like to maybe purchase one or I'd like to shoot one. I'm terrified of them, which is what happened with a, a colleague of mine uh, a few weeks ago. And so the outreach is, is bringing somebody in, demystifying the firearms, um, leading with a safety philosophy and then letting them see that it's, it's only going to do what you tell it to. But the fourth part of that is, is um, advocacy. And so once somebody is now a firearms owner, they've had some training, they need to get involved. And so I, I, the path for me included becoming a certified NRA instructor, and I'm, I'm currently working through some of my certifications at your range, Anthony. But the path for me was to, to learn how to teach other people officially. And, and it's been really rewarding because I've seen people go from being terrified of firearms to really understanding that they're just objects, inanimate objects. Isn't that great? Isn't it fulfilling when you bring somebody and they take their first shots and then all of a sudden they get energized? It's it's just phenomenal. It puts a smile on your face. Yep. And, and, and Sean, and talk to us about your experiences too. Yep, uh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, for, for many years, um, I used to drive out to Pennsylvania and I, you know, bring friends with me. And then finally, at some point, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to gun for hire, um, uh, back when you still had the smaller place. And, um, I, I really loved going there, but it was a little bit far for, far for me at the time. Uh, so I didn't go there for a few years, but, um, just always, anytime I could bring along a friend or, you know, my dad or some other family members, um, you know, I would do that. And, uh, you know, I would say that, um, I just try to spread the, the two way gospel to as many people as I can. Um, I have some neighbors right now who are, who are friends of mine. And I was just telling them over the, uh, over the course of the past week, I said, okay, well, I'm going to be on this, on this show called gun for hire radio. And it's kind of a big deal in the two way community. And it's like top, I don't know, 1% of all podcasts and they got really excited and they said hey sean well send us the link we really want to uh to hear about it now these guys as far as i know they have zero experience with guns but once they listen to this show they're going to hear my invitation to bring them over to gun for hire and introduce them to the uh to the experience and hopefully the culture but we'll you know we'll see how that goes and you can ruin their lives too that's great all of us, all of us. Maybe they I can mean, become I, writers. I talk about this all the time. Uh, all of us, every Sandy started to coin the phrase "each one, reach one," and closet gun owners, right? If the if the if the topic comes up with friends or family, if you could bring somebody, it, it doesn't have to be gun for hire. Just find a range that that's clean, clean bathrooms and welcoming. Set the experience up right and introduce people to shooting, and that's how we double and triple our numbers. You know, all the other activism and everything we do is good, but the grassroots of getting people and showing them what it's like and bringing, you know, the, the youth, our future to the range or, or your next door neighbor or a coworker, it's priceless. It is priceless. And I, I we have this gentleman here. Uh, his name is John. He's a school teacher. This guy came in. He, he, he was uh, ignorant to guns. He did some research. He walked into a gun store and he says, I'm thinking about, you know, buying a revolver. And uh, the, the cheapest price ones I saw online are, are Taurus. Do you have Taurus? And uh, the, the, the place told him, we don't sell that junk here. Go to Gun for Hire. They sell that junk. So he came here. <laughs> He's six guns, five lessons, and a membership in 
to shooting already. And he didn't buy a Taurus revolver. He bought a Smith & Wesson. We're not Taurus reps here. We'll order one if somebody wants one because I believe there's a price point for everybody. But imagine treating somebody that way. We don't sell that junk here. Go somewhere else. And he did. Like, anyway, meanwhile. That was very common, though. And if you remember back <clears throat> yeah, in the yeah. day. He's a school teacher, Sandy. He's introduced like five people to shooting already. That's crazy. He's trying to get his wife to come in here. I mean, the jackasses that turned him away. Look what you did. You know, you, you cut the head off of another snake that could be replicating for us. It's it's just crazy, right, guys? Isn't it crazy? You, you make a great point that, that well, first of all, customer service is everything, right? And I think you've done a really good job of that um, in your business. But the next step in gun ownership is getting training. You mentioned that that gentleman had five lessons. And I can't under, I can't overestimate the importance of training. Absolutely. So one of the things we've tried to do to serve the community uh, is we created a training section on our website. We have um, three or four authors doing uh, training articles, including Vlad there at Gun for Hire, um, Scott Shot, and, and a couple others. Grant, and we good are guy. offering up free information for anybody that wants to go get it. Just go read an article. They'll go over some some fundamental aspect of firearms ownership or practicing um, and training. And and so we're just throwing that out there. There is no reason to not exercise the use of these resources and make yourself a more uh, competent gun owner. Absolutely. Yep. And both of those guys have written just very well. Sorry, Anthony. They've just both written very well thought, very well thought out and very helpful training articles which you know if you read them you know a few times over especially people who are beginning you know i mean there there is something to be said for for training in person at the range of course and that this is only the written word um but there's valuable information that uh, both vlad from your range and also scott shot have graciously um you know put out there for readers to have for free and it's and it's worth reading and everybody learns you know, differently too. I mean, there is some. There, you know, I'm a kinesthetic learner, and and there are many people. My wife is different. She she needs to read things first, and I think those articles are a great place to start for every new gun owner because at least you're familiar with some some of the terms, you're familiar with some of the basics, and you have some intelligent questions to ask the trainer face to face. You know, uh, Grant from Scott Shot, by his his full time job, he's a chemist. You know that, right? Did you guys know yeah, that? Yeah, he's he's an interesting yep. guy. Yeah. He's got a big brain. He became a, an NRA instructor through Gun for Hire about 155 years ago. <laughs> I was his, I was his, I was his TC, and he's one he's one solid dude. And Grant has his training businesses in South Jersey. It's called Scott Shot. He's from Scotland, and he Scott Shot, very soft spoken, but a big brain. Listen to this letter. The uh, this guy comes the, out in his writing. <laughs> Oh, oh, good, good. This guy is uh, hes on the syndicate page, and he emails, and he's a member here. His name is Daniel, and he talks about each one reach one. He goes, I noticed the trend when I practiced each one reach one. Never noticed it until I started to think about everyone I invited to the gun cave versus how many went to the range with me or how many actually bought a gun. Almost all my single friends have been to the range with me at least once. Almost never twice. I'm guessing it's because they don't want to pay for ammo. (laughs) This could be true. Some people ask me to take them the second time, but I straight out tell them I'm not paying for their ammunition. That's fair. 
Uh, when they learn how much I spent on them, they stop asking for at least a year before they ask again. <laughs> That's because they figure that you forgot. Yeah. In the past two years, I've been in carry mode, so I've been practicing more in the range. I always invite someone when I go. I don't always have someone come, one out of 20 maybe, but it's worth trying. Also, since I got my carry permit, lots of people have been asking me how to get one. The thing that alarms me about people, uh, about so-called men that want one, they want to carry one but need permission from their wives. I hear this a lot. Mm -hmm. There are so many friends, family, coworkers who want to get their carry permits but are afraid to ask their wives. <laughs> As a man, I'm embarrassed for them. Be an example of God. Provide for family. Protect the family are the three pillars of being a man. I explain this to all my beta male friends. I don't have to give my wife permission to feed my kids. Why would any man need permission to protect their family? Please cover this on this show. We have been uh, acting like boys too long in our relationships. We need to act like a man. You know, Danielle, it's 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 a hard one because the the women have been fed the media narrative. Yeah. That we're going to be irresponsible with gun ownership, and I'm that's sure the reason why. Kill themselves the, the, with the gun. What, what you have to do is, and this is some great fodder for you guys on News Two A, is how to get a spouse on board, and maybe the first discussion should be firearm safety. The next discussion should be proper firearm storage. Then the next discussion should be how we are our own self-responder. You know, uh, what do you guys think about that? This is these Love are other angles idea. to get more people into our army, right? Love it. Uh, I mean, because you see, he's having he has friends. Their wives won't let him get a gun. I got guys here that come in. They're trying to get their wives introduced to shooting. They're just trying to get them to the range. They're afraid to get to get to the range again. Yeah. And it's it's a media victory because. Everybody that comes into a range thinks they're walking into a dark hole with the ends of worms sticking out, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's what's very interesting I found, you know, was, I've been traveling around the country now for about two years, place to place, and, uh, I, you know, you ruined my life, I don't know, 17 years ago, whatever it was. Good. And um, <laughs> it was a situation where I, I up till that point, I was pretty much a firearms agnostic I, I i knew they existed I, I i had a hunter safety card when i was 12 years old that type of thing uh i had a shotgun i used to shoot trap when i was a kid i shot 22s only because my uh my best friend's father was a cop and uh headed the pal and 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 that sort of stuff but i never really had the bug so to speak um and then you start to realize once you leave New Jersey. Now, Grant, you probably you grew up in the Midwest. You said so. Um, mm -hmm. You kind of understand what I just learned. Uh, when you leave the New York metropolitan area or the dark, dark blue states, um, having a firearm is just a normal part of life. It just it it doesn't. It's not really discussed. It's just acknowledged it's just what it is it I, I rented a car for instance um to make the trip back up to uh I had a seminar up at penn state and i didn't feel like driving my car so i rented a car at the um, enterprise locally here and when i returned it um the person who you know was checking me in is like did you get your guns out of the car 
<laughs> so it was like, did you t- get your wallet? Did you get your keys? Right. Did, you get, did you get your guns out of the car? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but it was just, you would never hear that conversation in New Jersey. No. Sandy, that's a great point. And so why is there such a disparity between the way we treat gun culture here and the rest of the country? And, and here's my observation on it. You know, I grew up I grew up in Minnesota and a firearm was like having a, you know, an axe or a chainsaw. It was a tool that had a specific job. And there you had a gun culture, right? At eight or nine or ten, you did your first shots with your uncle or maybe your grandmother or your grandpa. You know, your dad was teaching you firearm safety or maybe your mother. So it it demystified the the function of, of this inanimate object and it just became a tool in your toolbox. We don't have gun culture like that in New Jersey, at least not institutionalized. So a lot of people, and these are people I've worked with at my home or, or at the range, just friends and family, they are terrified of something they don't understand because Mm -hmm. there was nobody to teach it to them at a young age. Right. And, uh, that's sort of my observation. Right. You're spot on. Yeah. You're spot on. Uh, because it again, it's the closet gun owner scenario, right? Yeah, exactly. uh, a school teacher can't come out and say, "Well, I own guns," you know, at my house, because doctor. then the doctor they all have to they skirt around it. You know how many times I get in thirty two, thirty three years I've been doing this, I have somebody come in and say, "I want to take a lesson because I just found out my golf buddies go shooting on Thursdays without me, and they never mentioned it to me." You know, because I'm a superior court judge or because I'm a doctor or something. And I found out now I want to go with them, you know, uh, because people keep it a secret because we're looked down upon. We're shamed. You know, they they bundle us in with the criminals and the pedophiles. It's amazing. It's funny, too, because when I was in New Jersey, I used to uh, shoot trap and our entire squad were all doctors. And um, yet. I don't think anybody outside of our own group knew that. Wow. Uh, Listen, I know we're running out of time. I just want to cover a few things. John Acapinti for the NRA Dinner. His email is fod1 at optonline.net. John, you're one of the 2A heavy hitters running this dinner, so I want you on a future Gun For Hire radio show, so you better email me, info at Gun For Hire, so we can set up a time. I mentioned Teresa. I mentioned Melissa Dini uh, from uh, her fi- her firearms place just moved, Legacy Firearms, a new location. I'd want her on the show. I want Mark Cheeseman on the show. Any other 2A lawyers, any other 2A organizations, any other 2A heavy hitters, Tony Simon out there, I want you guys on the show. So News 2A, I want you guys to plug your business real quick and tell us what we can do to help you. Guys, please join us at uh, News 2A. Dot com. So it's six letters, N-E-W-S-2-A.com. And before the show ends, huge, huge thank you to John Petrolino for his uh, absolute rock-solid support. Um, thank you, Anthony. Uh, Charlie Cook, Riding Shotgun with Charlie. And uh, Dan Wass, thank you, everybody, for all of your support. We wouldn't be here without That's you. That's an all-star lineup there. You're all welcome to be on the show, too. Info at for Hire. Grant, Sean. Keep doing what you do. We need you. Thanks for having us, guys. It was a pleasure. Ditto to all of that. And it looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun For Hire Radio. 
Gunfire Hire Radio is a counter media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, master trainer, Anthony Calandro, author of Crime Proof, Think Like a Criminal and Beat Them at Their Own Game, which he did not mention this week, but I am mentioning it for him, uh, which is available wherever great books are sold, and at the gun shop, bookshop, gun range, known as Gun for Hire, and it is a good way to introduce everybody, including maybe your female companion, to uh, safety issues. Uh, we love you guys from the shadows of the New York City skyline and here on the beautiful Gulf Shores of Alabama where it's 62 degrees and sunny. Eat your heart out. And we are getting ready for Mardi Gras, which, by the way, originated, as everyone here will tell you, in Mobile, Alabama, not in New Orleans, Louisiana, but we are close to both. We love you guys. God willing, Jesus tarries and the batteries hold out. We will see you again next week.